The Chicago Bears are quickly moving through offensive coordinator candidate interviews, and today we're going to go through what this team needs from the next man in charge of the offense. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can find Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, where you can subscribe and keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. On the show today, we check in on the offensive coordinator candidates that the Chicago Bears have interviewed so far, at least the ones we know about publicly, as well as taking a bigger picture look at, okay, regardless of the name and the background and the experience that any individual candidate might have, what do we actually need to see from the Chicago Bears' next offensive coordinator so that we can then properly evaluate them once they're in the building? Okay, the next OC needs to do these things, and so whoever that job goes to, we're going to evaluate them throughout their time as offensive coordinator and say, are they doing these things? So we'll start with that criteria. And then we'll go through some of the backgrounds of the offensive coordinator candidates that they've publicly announced or they've publicly reported so far and kind of see how those different candidates stack up. But first, let's go through what we want to see in the next Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, because I think we've seen now across the NFL that there's not like one perfect System, You know, you certainly a lot of Shanahan style coaches have had success, but, you know, the McVeigh tree off the Shanahan tree is a slight variation on some of the same types of concepts. There's certainly the Andy Reid tree that we've seen have plenty of offensive success, right? It's not necessarily that you sit here today and say you have to get a coach that runs this system because this is the system that you have to have. Or you have to get a coach who has had this much experience with quarterbacks or has had this kind of background in the running game, right? It's not specifically as much about what who he's worked with and what offensive system he comes with, but more so like what he's going to do when in Chicago, it's his offense. He gets kind of free reign. You know, this is not, you're, you're no longer the second fiddle behind, you know, Andy Reid. You're not underneath Kyle Shanahan. You're not underneath Sean McVay. You're in Chicago. It is your offense. You're the head coach of the offense. Matt Eberflus is not telling you exactly what your system should look like or how you should call plays specifically. There's conversations about it, but it is your offense. You're on your own running your offense in Chicago. So if you're a coach who has never been an offensive coordinator before, you, you have to learn how to do that on the fly. Or if you are a coach who's been an offensive coordinator before, you know you have to sort of find ways to implement your system within the broader Matt Eberflus system. And again, it's not about specifically the the scheme that you come from, but it's about more broadly, like putting players in position to be successful. And we've heard, we heard Luke Getze say that when he was hired. We heard Matt Nagy say that when he was hired. We've heard a lot of Bears offensive coaches over the years say, yes, what we're going to do is we're going to take the players and put them in the best position to be successful. They say that they don't always do that, right? We heard 
Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus say at their press conference after the season that they want an offensive coordinator. Over and over, they use the phrase adapt and adjust to different players, different quarterbacks, different situations, because depending on what the Bears do with, with fields and or the number one overall pick, that could change the quarterback situation. And we've seen across the NFL a ton of quarterback injuries to where your offense needs to be able to adapt. If your, your quarterback goes down, whether it's for one play, one drive, one quarter, one game, or a month, a half a season, a full year, you got to be able to adapt and adjust. Like those are all the things you want to hear, but you actually have to see it. We've heard them say it before. We don't always see it in execution there. And so to me, I, I think that comes down to a couple different things in terms of putting players in the best position to be successful. First of all, your offensive coordinator has to be able to first identify what players do well. Like what is the strength and weakness of your quarterback, of each receiver, of your running backs, of your offensive line, of your tight ends? Once you can then identify what they're good and bad at, which you know it seems like the kind of thing that should be the easy part, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way as we've seen it in the past. Then you figure out how to use those strengths together to maximize those advantages and minimize those disadvantages. And that's where we've really seen Recent Bears offensive coaches, perhaps most of my lifetime, if we're being honest, struggle in that area. Being able to get a guy with speed the ball in space to use the speed and not ask him to be a possession receiver or vice versa. Maybe not running a jet sweep to your biggest, slowest wide receiver, but instead running the jet sweep to a you know a faster player. I mean, being able to say, like, okay, this is what this guy does well. Maybe let's not throw screen passes to a six foot four equanimous St. Brown when you could throw a screen pass in that same situation to a DJ Moore or a Valus Jones, the player that you feel like with the ball in his hands can do more after the catch than like an equanimous St. Brown. You know, it doesn't mean St. Brown's a useless wide receiver, but it's just not using his skill set to his strength and not utilizing other players' skill sets to their strength. Or like we saw Luke Getze at times this season use DJ Moore as the decoy route to get other players open. But when in reality, you should be, and certainly you could, there's always time to do little, you know, you can always do a little bit of some things, but like the focus should be on using other players to help maximize, you know, use the lesser players as the decoys to then get DJ Moore more open. Like there was a play where DJ Moore ran a pick route to try and free up Cole Komet. And that's great. You want to free up Cole Komet sometimes, but it shouldn't be DJ Moore running a, a wasted route at just to get in the way. Who's never really going to be open on the play to try and get someone else open. Like find ways to, to utilize those players to your advantage. Quit trying to make Justin Fields, a three-step drop, curl route, quick slant type of quarterback like we saw Matt Nagy try and do at times. You know, utilize what your quarterback does well in terms of extending plays with his legs, threatening defenses across the field, and being able to then throw the ball with a lot of accuracy deep downfield, but maybe not being as quick and sharp on the in-rhythm three-step drop type passes and quit trying to, you know, force a quarterback to do things in an offensive system that aren't what he is most successful doing. Again, you have to, the players have to be able to grow and stretch, and you do ask players sometimes to do things that aren't perfectly within the, you know, their perfect strength and weakness. It's not, about, it's not black and white in that area, but it is about feeling like, man, are they squeezing all of the talent out of all of these individual players, or are they asking guys like a five foot eight Trent Taylor to block a 6'4", 275-pound Rashawn Gary on the edge on a running play? Like, it's things like that that's not using your player's skill set to their best ability, not putting players in the best position to be successful. 
even though that's what they all say they're going to do and they'll say they want to do. That's what we need to see them actually do when they are the next offensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. So far, we know about four names for sure that they are interviewing thus far. There may be more that aren't out yet and maybe more still to come, but we're going to go, we're going to go through the names we know now and kind of go through some of the pros and cons and different experience of the candidates already on the docket next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Game Time, the fastest and easiest way to get tickets for all of your favorite live events. I used Game Time multiple times through the season. I went to a couple of Bears games and got great deals on my tickets because with Game Time, I always know I'm going to be getting the lowest price. They have a low price guarantee. So you know you're going to get a great deal before you check out and you can see the view from your seat. So I knew right in Soldier Field what I was going to be seeing and it absolutely matched when I got there in person. They've got a bunch of great last minute deals as well for all of your favorite live events, not just Bears games, but all of sports, comedy shows, theater shows, concerts, you name it. If it's a live event in some kind of venue, they've got tickets for it at game time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use our promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Lockdown Bears is also brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical, makers of the Jace Case. The Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics that can treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinus infections, skin infections, among other things. Stuff that can happen to any of us, especially this time of year is when the sicknesses start to go around and having a Jace Case on hand is a great source of a peace of mind because we're seeing across the country right now some pharmacies have run into supply chain issues where you have temporary shortages where some people, when they need the antibiotic most, it's not available. They have to wait a little extra longer when you're most sick and you just want to get the antibiotics, get, get it out of your system, get yourself cleaned up. Like that's what the Jace case provides. It's peace of mind. If you want to get one for yourself, you can visit jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical and complete your physician encounter. It's an online Physician encounter that will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use our promo code Locked On to get $20 off your order. The Chicago Bears have got a couple of intriguing names on their offensive coordinator list, and maybe a couple of names that you're not as familiar with, and one name that, honestly, I'm not as inspired by or fired up about, but we'll go through all of the candidates, starting with, I think, the the early, I would say clubhouse favorite, not that it's, like, statistically the favorite, not, like, you know, by odds, but my personal favorite of the four candidates so far, the one I would vouch for and be most excited about as the next Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, and that is Shane Waldron. He is currently offensive, or I guess, presently the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. But as we know, the Seahawks, I guess, reassigned Pete Carroll. They didn't fire Pete Carroll. They're moving him to more like an advisory role within sort of like the front office. But they've said Pete Carroll no longer head coach, which means they're going to hire a new head coach, which means that new head coach will likely want more, more or less of their own staff. And either way, whether they want their own staff or want to retain some guys, like if I'm Shane Waldron, 
I better look around and see, hey, just in case I'm going to be fired here or not be able to stay in Seattle, better see if I can find another opportunity, interviews for some other jobs and have a backup plan in place in case the next Seahawks head coach does not want me back. Shane Waldron, to me, comes in as the top candidate so far because he's a guy who is already getting at least conversations, discussions, speculation for head coach openings, an offensive coordinator that a team might want to have as a head coach. And that's the kind of guy, if you could get him as offensive coordinator, you really feel like you're getting a high-quality candidate. He was a guy who, if the Bears had fired Matt Eberflus, would have been on many people's short lists of potential head coaching options, given the way he's been able to be fairly successful in Seattle, albeit with some ups and downs. He's not a surefire, you know, top five offense all the time kind of guy, but he's a top 10 offense all the time kind of guy. And he comes from an impressive background of offensive coaching lineage. He is a one of the disciples of Sean McVay with the Los Angeles Rams. Waldron has pretty much made his NFL living with the Rams before coming to the Seahawks a couple of seasons ago. So we've seen the last two seasons, Waldron has been the orchestrator of Geno Smith's career resurgence. And I think that's what's so intriguing about Waldron is that he's been able to have good offensive success consistently with a quarterback like Geno Smith that was largely a career backup you know, more of a journeyman bouncing around. Obviously, we saw early in his career with the Jets, he had some flashes there, but really kind of dropped out and comes to Seattle as kind of a, you know, a give him a shot and see what happens kind of deal. Not somebody they were going in thinking he was going to be a potential, you know, almost 4,000-yard quarterback. And Waldron gets the most out of him and is able to take that quarterback and some good receivers. And certainly, you know, personnel is a big part of any coach's success or failure, but orchestrates a good offense with, Geno Smith and helps Geno Smith elevate into a much higher status of quarterback play. And then even in a game when Geno Smith is out and Drew Locke has to come in, another cast off from the Denver Broncos, he too has a really good game and ends up coming back and winning that one at the end with the Seahawks. Like They just had a lot of success with non-elite quarterbacks. And that to me stands out as an offensive coordinator then doing a really good job, squeezing the most out of the talent that he had. Like, a lot of offensive coordinators could be really successful if you have Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or even to some extent like Josh, the Josh Allens and Joe Burrows of the world, right? Like, yeah, you give a you have a great quarterback, a lot of coaches can look good. But when you don't have a good quarterback, the coaches that can make that that okay quarterback or good quarterback great, you want that in your team in case your quarterback isn't as good as you might want it to be. Before that, of course, he worked with Matt Stafford in the Rams and then Jared Goff in the Rams prior to that was part of those Super Bowl teams. He was also part of uh, New England Patriots Super Bowl teams earlier on in his coaching career, not in any like offensive coordinator type role, but with the Rams, at least he was the passing game coordinator for three seasons. So he's got some offensive coordinator experience. He's, he's run his own offense on his own team before, but obviously comes from a McVay tree that's been successful in a lot of different ways. And you know, he was underneath Zach Taylor with the Rams. He was underneath Matt LaFleur with the Rams, replaced him as the passing game coordinator in Los Angeles. So like, feels like kind of the next man up there and has now done, proven it away from McVay that he can still run an offense at a very high level. To me, he is the best candidate for the job so far out of the four that the Bears have interviewed. There's another McVay disciple that they interviewed or are interviewing, Liam Cohen, much less of a known household name, but if you paid attention around the Rams and the McVay tree in recent years, he's definitely been a part of this. Liam Cohen is currently the offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky. So it doesn't come in, you know, as flashy as like, okay, you're getting some NFL stud guy. But but Cohen's got an interesting background here. He's kind of fluctuated back and forth. So he's this past season, 
quarterbacks coach at OC at Kentucky. The year before that, 2022, offensive coordinator for Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Year before that, Kentucky. So he's gone over the, over the last four seasons. He's gone Rams, Kentucky, Rams, Kentucky, where he currently is now. And prior to that, spent a couple different seasons with the Rams. So he's coached Stafford uh, at Kentucky. He coached Will Levis. Uh, and helped him develop into a you know one of the top quarterbacks in the draft last season. We'll see exactly how his career pans out in the NFL, but you know has worked with a couple of big arm downfield passing quarterbacks there. Obviously, some experience in this McVay tree. He's been a quarterbacks coach before, a receivers coach before as well, and has now run his own offense at Kentucky outside of the Sean McVay uh, you know umbrella here. Like we talked about with Shane Waldron too. Like anybody, you know, there's a lot of good coaches that are just coordinators under their head coach, but when they get to do their own offense, like Luke Getze, it's a little bit harder when you don't have the real offensive mastermind ahead of you, but he's run good offenses with Kentucky. He's been a part of multiple quarterbacks and multiple offensive successes with the Rams. You know, he's, he's run the golf offense or he's been involved in golf offense and has run the Stafford offense as well, which is certainly the same system, but two different styles of quarterback there that do some different things and has had to adjust to both guys. And this is just another one of these like young, well-respected up and coming innovative offensive minds that certainly if Shane Waldron gets a better opportunity or can stay in Seattle, maybe Liam Cohen is like, you know, the next best version of a Shane Waldron who's gone on a similar type of path, just with a little bit more back and forth between them and college. And also it sounds like Kentucky is trying hard to keep him. And he reportedly promised Kentucky that when he came back the second time, he wouldn't just leave after one year. And now he's interviewing for an NFL job after one year. So we'll see exactly how that plays out for him. None of these OCs are guaranteed that if the Bears offer the job, they'll take it. But I'm glad that both of them are on the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator interviewing list. There's another name that I think is is very intriguing and somebody who definitely would be a, a favored candidate, somebody I would be a fan of hiring as the offensive coordinator. And another guy that I think would be pretty disappointing, but certainly has some things to like in him as well. So we'll go through the other two Bears offensive coordinator candidates that we know about so far next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And if you didn't play with FanDuel during the season, don't worry, there's still plenty of ways to play. And it's still a great time to get started on FanDuel because right now, new customers will get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. So you bet $5 on anything. And whether you win or lose, FanDuel will add $150 in bonus bets right into your account that you can use on anything. Spreads, money lines, over-unders, prop bets, you name it, they have it at FanDuel. It's a lot of fun, and it's all on their app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So if you want to have some extra stakes in these playoff games moving forward, maybe maybe bet against the Green Bay Packers if, you, if you're feeling lucky, check it out with FanDuel. To get your $150 in bonus bets, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I like Shane Waldron as uh, of the four candidates so far. He's who I would rank number one. I think number two for me would be Clint Kubiak, who they also are interviewing for this position. I'd probably put Liam Cohen three then, and then we'll get to the fourth place out of four here in just a moment. But Clint Kubiak, if you recognize the last name, Son of former head coach Gary Kubiak, who you know coached for the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos and a few others along the way, but certainly head coach is where we remember Gary Kubiak. Clint, his son, definitely some you know nepo baby 
energy here, but still a guy who has been around the block a few times and has a lot to like about his coaching experience. Clint Kubiak is currently the passing game coordinator, not offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, helping Brock Purdy reach new heights and that team to be the number one seed. And they're going on a playoff run right now. So, you know, you can't hire Clint Kubiak until, I mean, you can't, you know, take him away until they're firmly eliminated from the playoffs. But I believe you can like hire him as your, if, if it's a promotion position, I think you can sort of like decide on him and agree to it, agree to hire him. But then he finishes out the term with that team before he leaves. But anyway, obviously having a lot of success with Brock Purdy right now. And that offense has been, has been incredible all season. No, notably the passing game coordinator, not as involved with Christian McCaffrey in the running game, but that passing game is is just as great and, if anything, more great with given that Purdy's status as an undrafted free agent quarterback and playing so well and you know getting a lot of different receivers involved in that offense. Prior to joining the 49ers this year, he was the passing game coordinator and QB coach for the Denver Broncos the season before that. Obviously not a, a stellar Denver Broncos passing game in 2022. I do think... It was valuable for him to work with a guy like Russell Wilson to have a very different style of quarterback there. But let's not forget, like, I don't, I'm not sitting here feeling like it was Clint Kubiak's fault that the Broncos offense in 2022 was last in the NFL in scoring. Like, that was the Nathaniel Hackett operation there. He was just the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. Again, like, I'm not trying to say it's a good look for Clint Kubiak. But like he's well, he's a bit a few notches down the totem pole there in terms of like blame for that Broncos offense. If anything, I, I could see it being a good learning experience for him. And again, as far as different quarterbacks that he's worked with, right? He goes from very opposite ends of the spectrum with with a veteran mobile quarterback like uh, Russell Wilson to a second year undrafted free agent pocket passer like Brock Purdy. And before that, in 2021, he was the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings and before that, the quarterback's coach for the Vikings. So he's worked with Kirk Cousins as well. He's been an offensive coordinator as well. He was offensive coordinator in kind of like their last season under the previous regime in Minnesota and kind of found himself maybe in not too dissimilar a position of where the Chicago Bears are right now in terms of a head coach, potentially, maybe, on his last season. I mean, I don't want to be too too forward here. That's not what we're here to argue to, to debate at this point in the process, but still like that Vikings team was a chance for him to run the offense on his own under a defensive head coach in Mike Zimmer. He, he got out of the, he got out of his, you know, he had been kind of the underling in that offense and promoted to run the, run the show himself. And they were top 15 offense, despite going eight and nine and kind of underachieving at times that season, they were still able to get that passing game in particular, really going well, took care of the football. It was a good season for the likes of, Kirk Cousins, when he was healthy, you know, 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions with Kubiak as his offensive coordinator. So he has done the gig before. It's not a ton of offensive coordinator experience, but it is more than zero, as you might think of for other of these younger up-and-coming offensive coordinators. And, like, he comes from that that sort of, like, Kubiak tree of that, you know, that, that offense being more of a wide zone style of offense. And it all kind of comes back because Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator on those teams. His son was the quarterback's coach. And then they fired Gary, promoted the son. So he certainly had, he certainly had uh, a few different variations of that offense. And now he's picking up some of the Shanahan tidbits as a part of that process now in, in San Francisco. And then of course, with the Denver Broncos under Hackett, he maybe learns some of what not to do in an offensive coordinator, an offensive operation system. So I, I like I like that Kubiak has had some ups and some downs, but he's still only 36 years old, and you feel like his best coaching days are still in the future. And he's a guy that people identify as 
maybe somebody who's on the long-term trajectory to being a, a future head coach if he gets back into a good offensive coordinator position and starts sort of building himself up from there. Certainly, I think Liam Cohen and, and Shane Waldron are also on those types of trajectories. It's why they're exciting, young, innovative, fresh options for the Bears' offensive coordinator job. The fourth candidate is none of that. Well, not none of that, but is, is the opposite of that. He's not young. He's not the innovative, up-and-coming guy. He's the wily, uh, wily veteran, experienced coordinator, quarterback coach who's been in a lot of different teams in a lot of different situations and has coached across the NFL for a long time and never got the head coach opportunity despite many years as an offensive coordinator on many different teams. And experience is valuable in that regard, but it also, to me, is a sign that like there's a very real ceiling on Greg Olson. Yes, that's the name, Greg Olson, not the tight end who played for the Bears and the Carolina Panthers and is announcing games for Fox, but Greg Olson, O-L-S-O-N, Olson, is the quarterback's coach for the Seattle Seahawks under Shane Waldron right now. But this is his first year in Seattle, and he has a, a decorated NFL career long before coming to Seattle under Shane Waldron. But there's this idea where, okay, can you, you can't get Waldron. Could you get his quarterback's coach? Well, I'm not sure that I would love that as a hire. I mean, not that he's a terrible coach, but it's just like he's been an offensive coordinator for like decade and like never really dominated, never really took that next step. So why is he going to come to Chicago and be more than average? I mean, I think he could be average and that might be fine, but I'd like to aim higher ideally. And I think that's where the Bears are with some of their other interviews in here. But uh, Greg Olson has been offensive coordinator for the Raiders twice, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, I think twice. Uh the Rams and the Lions. And you, if you're if you're a real uh, deep in the coaching world, Greg Olson was a Chicago Bears quarterbacks coach in 2003, long long ago. So if you remember back back then he came there after being I think he was at Purdue before that. He was with the 49ers before that, but he's he's coached on a good 10 different NFL organizations here and to Greg Olson's credit, right? With the Raiders, he did pretty well with Derek Carr, with a young Derek Carr, with the Jaguars he got Blake Bortles' best season when he was the offensive coordinator there. With the Buccaneers, he got Josh Freeman's best season. I mean, Josh Freeman was not a very good quarterback, but he still got a good season out of Josh Freeman, still got a good season out of Blake Bortles, who obviously didn't pan out and is, was successful with Derek Carr. Like, he's had some success. He's not like a terrible offensive coordinator. He keeps getting the job for a reason because he, at some level, he does some good work. To me, it's just like, it's not, it's not exciting. It's not fresh. It's not innovative. It doesn't, again, the ceiling feels limited there. We haven't seen, I feel like by age 60, Greg Olson would, would get that, you know, would get that head coaching job because he's done such a great job as an offensive coordinator, but instead he's always just been an offensive coordinator. And maybe the advantage there is that if you hire him, you're not worried that he's going to get hired away as a head coach someday. So you could potentially have some continuity and sustainability of the offense where he might be there for three or four or five years. But at the same time, and if he comes to Chicago and is great, he will get head coaching opportunities. So, like, to me, that's not a, a real argument. And same with the other guys. Like, oh, you don't want to hire Clint Kubiak because he might get hired away after a year or two. Your OC is only going to get hired away if he's really, really good. And you want to hire the OC who's really, really good. If your OC is getting hired away as a head coach, you have been successful. So that's a good thing. Like, you know what I mean? I, I know it's a fear or whatever, and it could cause problems. But, like, let's get the good thing first and then deal with the problems that the good thing creates later. The Bears just need to have a good offensive coordinator. And if he leaves for head coaching job, deal with that problem down the line, but be thrilled 
that for the first time in franchise history, you've had a really good offensive coordinator, not franchise history, but the first time in decades, you've had a really good offensive coordinator. That's what I want from the bears. And I don't, I feel like of the four, Greg Olson is the least likely to be that or the most or the least likely to be great. Maybe the most likely to, to be average. You know what you're getting with Greg Olson more than the others. The others have bigger bust potential, but much bigger boom potential. Greg Olson, much less bust potential, much less boom potential. So to me, I'd rather swing for the fences on any of these young guys that have a pretty, I'm not too worried about them really busting because we've seen Waldron and, and Cohen's been an offensive coordinator in college and Clint's been, I mean, all three of those guys have been coordinators before. We know what they'll do in that role. So it's not a total lack of experience, but I still feel like those guys are still improving and growing as coaches. Whereas Greg Olson, again, the quarterback's coach kind of is what he is at this point, And that's okay. And it's sure it's worth an interview. Talk to a veteran coach. You've, you've interviewed some young guys. Let's interview an older guy, a veteran guy who's been around the block a little more and see what he says and kind of use that as, as comparison. I don't disagree with their decision to interview him, but he would not be my first choice. And of these four, he would probably be my fourth choice in the offensive coordinator search. We'd love to hear what you think about these four candidates or if there's another potential candidate that you see out there that the Bears really should hire. Let us know in the comments here in the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel, or you can tweet us at Lockdown Bears as well. However you do it, make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming back tomorrow, as we're going to keep you up to date on any and all offensive coordinator develops. If we add new candidates, we'll certainly add them to our discussion here. Whoever they hire, you can sure you can be sure we're going to do a deep dive on. If it's you know like a Waldron, we'll talk to Locked On Seahawks, or if it's a Kubiak, you know we can talk to Locked On Vikings and Locked On 49ers, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll kind of get the scoop on the Bears' offensive coordinator whenever they make a decision there, or any big off-season moves. A defensive coordinator. We still have to talk about that position coming up this week as well. So a lot more goodies for you. Just because we're in the offseason doesn't mean we're slowing down at all here on Lockdown Bears. So keep coming back. And every day throughout those, these cold, bitter cold winter days, you can be sure we'll warm you up with another opportunity to bear down.